Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. Um, we are coming to you, we're recording this three or four days after the, the Barnsley debacle, can we call it that? Um, I, I, let me get on with the introductions. I'm David, here is Paul Finney. Hello. Paul. Hello, how Hello. are we all? Very good. We're all, we're all uh, I think, quite eager. We're recording this whatever night it is, Wednesday night, and there's about five Premier League fixtures, and we have to talk about what happened. Uh, by the way, David, by all. the way, David, just be, just be warned, it's a bit windy where Clive is. Well, we'll move on to Clive. Hello, Clive. Clive is outside on this. Uh, if, there, if there is wind, it's not me. I was on mute and uh, for many other reasons. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I couldn't give a shit about the Premier League. I'll sit here and talk about Barnsley with you guys all night. It's a fantastic, fantastic return to action. Please <laughs> do that. Um, also, we have Flo. Flo Lloyd. Hello, hello. Hello. Uh, and making their first appearance um, is Sam Taylor. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for having me. That's all right. Thanks for coming on. So, Sam, for the people who don't know, you are a writer. You write a column on the webs on the QPR official website, and also you've got your own website. Is that right? Yeah, just launched. Tell us about the website. Um, it's it's basically what you guys do, but written by okay. younger, <laughs> written by younger fans. So it's like the it's like. Older than the junior hoops and younger than, I don't know, adult. Um, it's like that middle ground and they're writing about, I don't know, QPR stuff. Well, I like someone who throws shade at Paul Finney within two minutes of being on. <laughs> I was just thinking that I don't think there are any rules. You haven't got a rule for me, Sam, but if you do find one, let me know. It'll be called a dinosaur page. There's definitely a gap in the market for that. So good on you, Sam, for, for launching it because I know... Like my half brother included, who's eighteen and definitely doesn't fit that junior hoop bracket, has felt like there's not really anyone that kind of speaks to that yeah. young young adult um, kind of group. So yeah, great idea. What are you trying to say about love for words, Flo? <laughs> I would say you know no. Let's see, love, love for words is you know a really diverse demographic. It's just if someone someone wants something a little bit more specialised, something a little bit more Gen Z, a bit more TikToky, you know, then they want to they want to go somewhere for that content. You so maybe gray, love for words. Will you leave my, my grey army alone? Maybe love for words needs to launch a TikTok, and then it can claim to be hitting that market. When I know what that is, I'll do it. <laughs> what, the, yeah, what the fuck is TikTok anyway? Is that kind of like you buy in sweets department or something? Oh, you have a teenage daughter. I Google am, it. I, I am not buying that you don't know what TikTok is. I've got the most boring teenage daughter ever who should have been born in 1940. She doesn't play computer games and she doesn't go on TikTok. Hang on. You have got TikTok. Oh. Ooh. See, there you she go. Has... Um, Sorry, Lily. <laughs> Sam, I don't think you've actually told us where we can find your website and read more. So, so, yeah, tell everyone where we can do that. Right. So the website's called ourgeneration.net and it's ourgeneration.net on Twitter. And we're doing a proper launch with all the sites and stuff this week. But it's ourgeneration.net for now. Um, Well, yeah, so that's about it. And are you on TikTok? 
we are not unfortunately not quite yet we're not quite on that level yet yet being the key word well i, I wish you i wish you all the best and um if you need to borrow any quotes about the 50s 60s and 70s i'm your man hundreds he, he doesn't he hasn't asked you if you are northern irish yet but give it 20 minutes um he's got way too much hair for my liking there's too much hair in this podcast apart from me and clive uh, should we talk about it then? We talk no, about Sam, tell us more about the youngsters. What's the, what's the mood among youngsters these days? What are, go on then. I, I'm, I'm going, if I sort of let people into a podcast secret, I'm entirely honest. I don't think we were all that keen to do this this week. We kind of hesitated on when should we record it. I think we may have said Monday, then we said Tuesday, and eventually we kind of got around to doing it on Wednesday. Uh, and I feel like that's probably reflective of the general mood. I won't say, I don't know if it was an anticlimax Saturday, because I'm not sure anyone was looking forward to it, but uh, uh, definitely the wrong side of whelmed, I would say, following it. So... Uh, Live, you're all quite good at summing these things up, so why don't you kick us off? Um, yeah, I think you can use uh, you can use anticlimax because we'd spent lockdown looking at the form going into the lockdown and the position in the league, how well we were playing, and things like that. In hindsight, it's probably the wrong thing to look at because none of it really counts when you've been three months off. And there was one or two things that did actually count that we probably should have telegraphed a little bit more when we were looking ahead to the game. The Mark Pugh release, although he's only a bit part player, you know, he's quite a senior guy in the dressing room and he didn't seem to know when he spoke to us on this podcast that his release was in any way imminent. That was a bit of a surprise. We then lost, in between us recording last week and the game, Grant Hall, who, whatever you think of him, is mainstay at the back, captain of the team. We also had Jeff Cameron suspended. The club had gone, I think we said at the time, the club had gone really big and heavy and angry on the date of the restart, which is quite unlike them. They're usually quite measured. So there were probably one or two warning signs there. And we were so sluggish in that first half on Saturday. We, you could tell after two or three minutes we were banging trouble. Um, Barnsley, if you actually look at their Twitter feed, when they put their team out, scores and scores of reaction from Barnsley fans saying, yeah, very funny, what's the real team? Oh, we're already preparing for League One. Oh, we're going to get battered, that sort of thing. And basically, their manager appeared to go just for really young, energetic, and just go for the fitness thing. I think six or seven of their team were 22 or under, um, and another six or seven of them had played 10 games or fewer this season. So basically just went with young, hungry kids. And that f- the first 15 minutes in particular on Saturday was painful. We obviously conceded, could have conceded two or three more. Never looked like getting back in the game. I didn't even think we improved that much after half time, to be honest. But yeah, it was such a letdown because I did say last week on the podcast, let's see how Barnsley and Charlton go before we make judgments. But even I didn't really see it being quite as dire as it was, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought Barnsley were I thought Barnsley were great in the first half. I, I was impressed. I thought Ludwig, especially um, on the wing, was exceptional. I think you know, I mean, I'm, I was impressed with them. And I think actually, when you look at that game, 
and compared to all the other games that have taken place over the weekend across football, whether that's Championship, Premier League, playoffs, it was actually about right. It was about the standard, which is pretty crap um, because, you know, players are semi-fit but not match-fit and haven't properly played football in pretty much three months. So it's kind of like, what do you expect? That being said... You know, we made Barnsley look exceptional when in reality they should be at that same level as us. They should look quite shit too. But actually, we made them in that first kind of 20, half an hour look really decent, really decent. Like We let them create fantastic opportunities. I think we were maybe a little bit unlucky in the goal to not get a foul. Um, I thought that was, you know, I think we probably could have, could have had that build up was it bright who went down or chair I can't remember but I thought maybe that was a bit unfair but at the same time you know we we made it easy for them and those sorts of fouls sometimes you know you're gonna be kind of it's 50 50 either way um second half I thought we looked a lot brighter Eze was working his socks off in those kind of last 30 minutes and create some good chances but obviously you know we haven't got a fantastic striker anymore. Um, And, you know, Hugo at the best of times wasn't the most prolific finisher. And when you're then looking at someone who then hasn't had the chance to play in three months, it's even worse. Eze, similarly, you know, in double figures this season, scoring-wise, but is always someone who needs to find his rhythm when it comes to shooting. Um, and we just didn't create enough chances in order to be able to do that. So we were expecting so much of him every single time he got on the ball. But I'm a little bit more hopeful because I think we're going to ease into things. And I think we just need—I think we just need more time. And you know, the good thing is we've got nothing to play for, which I'm relieved about, which is great. I think these these next couple of weeks are kind of just you know almost like a preseason um, warm up tournament that's completely meaningless. Because in reality, nothing. We could have had something to play for. We no, still- but real, it's not going to happen. Like we all kind of knew it wasn't going to happen. Really, we all like. I think playoffs were a bit of a pipe dream, and I think this was a a wake up call to the realities of the championship and also the realities of our squad that we've kind of got left now about how we use it and how we we've got to be better. I don't think it's. I don't think we could read too much into that game because it's coming back from such a long break. So everything is just a bit mm. kind of random. Uh, we're on a nice roll of keeping Finney quiet here. So, uh, Sam, what, what did you think about Saturday? It's just a bit upsetting, to be honest, because we have this massive gap, right? And you just expect, like you just said, like it's a bit of a pipe dream for to think we were actually going to come back and suddenly beat, win nine games in a row and be the surprise that no one expected. Because I don't think I didn't actually, I, I don't think that was going to happen. But everyone has that sort of like image in the back of their head that we'll get back on the pitch and suddenly just be the best team in the league. And then with that image in mind, watching what happened on Saturday was actually proper upsetting. <laughs> I mean, um, there were glimmers as well. Like Eze did that little, he had his little run, like his weekly thing where he'll just destroy a few players. And um, Barnsley got it spot on with Bright. They had two guys on him the entire game. Um, 
they you got to give um, a lot of credit to them. I mean, they clearly are fighting for a lot. We clearly weren't as um, in the fighting spirit as they were, but it was it was hard ninety minutes to watch, and it was really disappointing. Um, but I guess we were always going to have a difficult start. The friendlies weren't great, um, and um, I don't know. It, I mean, what what more? I mean, we could have we could have done a lot better. It was really disappointing. I think the good thing is, though, when you look at everyone kind of around us, so even for Barnsley, that win wasn't that beneficial to them because it was a bit of a topsy-turvy weekend and, like, everyone's kind of stuck a little bit. Like, I watched the Fulham-Brentford game. That was dire until kind of the last 10 minutes when you know, a breakthrough came. The standard is pretty crap because no one's been playing football. So I don't really read too much into what happened to us because everyone else is going through, going through the same thing. I thought Barnsley looked like it mattered to them and it, we looked like it didn't really. We looked like a team going through the motions, just want these games out of the way, whereas it, Barnsley need to... Barnsley can actually do this. If you look at the state that Charlton are in, Hull, although we'll probably lose them now, uh, Charlton, Hull, Luton, they're all in a sort of state of crisis immediately above them. So Barnsley have got a great chance. And I, like Sam said, I think you have to give them credit. They played well and you could see that it really mattered. And on the Bright thing, at some at some points, Barnsley had three players around Bright. And I was a little bit disappointed that we just kept going there, like Bright win this game for us. We've got, we barely gave chair the ball, as they did bits and pieces, but it was just constantly trying to get it to Bright, which made us quite one-dimensional and predictable, I guess. It's almost like, no, sorry, that was my pause to see if I was on mute and I'm not. Um, it, it, it's almost like, this is an extended pre-season. Like, no one's in any rhythm yet and is going to be in any rhythm yet. And it's very hard. I'm finding it quite hard to have a discussion about it because usually we've all seen the start of the season. We've all seen how we might... We've never been in this situation before. I can't say, what do you think will happen now? Do you think we'll get... No one knows whether we're going to get into any sort of rhythm, whether that was a one-off. I'm all very confused about it, Finney. Well, no, I'm, I'm here. So I, 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 I'm still, I'm still here. Don't worry, I just fallen asleep. Um, thinking I'm about sorry. the game, not, not anything you were saying. Just thinking yeah. about the game and trying to think what I'm going to say. And I think they just, they said Clive had got the nail on the head um, more so than Flo, because um, Flo's just depressing me because she's so bang on. I'm just going to ignore her because she's right. Um, but. Clive, Clive's right. Barnsley done the homework. I mean, what they did do, which is quite clever, and you can see for the first five minutes when they targeted Masterson and um, Johan, the ball in the middle where they got the goal from, the gap. They obviously knew they hadn't played together. Barbey looked all over the shop on Saturday. Oh, my God. He looked like he had no idea what was going on. I think, to be honest with you, he was, they, maybe he wasn't expected to be captain or there was something with Pew going and... and Hole going, it was just, a, it, was, it was bad. But I blame Clive 100% and putting this on his door 100%. Last week during the podcast, he comes out with that absolute belter. There are records of dismal, blah, blah, blah. And I said to myself then, do I watch Saturday or do I just, we know what's going to happen. Rangers take you to the top of the hill and put you down the other side in rapid style. And that's what happened. And we just didn't seem that we were prepared properly. We obviously were prepared probably, for, but it didn't look like it. And Barnsley are fighting for their lives. It's quite, and we have to give them credit. I mean, for a side that's in their position to play that many youngsters and try and play football, 
the manager deserves huge credit or it's insane. It's one or the other. But yeah, they did a job with it. And we, we, we are lacking that striker, aren't we? If, we, if we're honest, we really, really need someone to start scoring goals and come through quickly because it's not going to happen. And Hugo had a great chance. Hugo had a yeah, great chance to start, start of the second half and the ball just kind of ran away from him and he couldn't finish it. I think Flo, how many times he's had so few, yeah, exactly, so few opportunities in that game and that's when you notice it the most, when you don't have someone who's clinical like that. What are we trying to achieve? Well, I, do you know what? I disagree with Flo. I think we could have gone for the playoffs. I think this division is so poor that you can't actually find yourself in there. And um, I was looking forward to a trip to Wembley via a, a laptop. I, I, this feels like the fourth season in a row, maybe even the fifth season in a row, I can't remember now, where we're kind of at the equivalent of like, well, we are at the equivalent of March, aren't we? Mid-March, a couple of months left. We've got enough points. Surely we've got enough points. 50 is going to be enough to stay up, isn't it? And now that's it. We're sort of playing the rest out. But what do you think Warburton's trying to achieve with it. It's a, it's a massive blow to lose three players like that. I know Pew wasn't playing, you know, in the team, at sort of in the starting eleven every week. But now it's, it feels like now Warburton's moving on and it, they've now kind of just accepted their lot and are now trying to plan for next season. But I don't really know what there is to be achieved for the remaining eight games that we're going to have to watch. They're certainly stretching out ahead of us in a in a depressing manner more than sort of they they were a week ago. I um I guess we'll know when we start seeing uh, if any fringe players or young players start getting a bit of action. Zip Batash was on the bench at the weekend. I was surprised maybe that Ote didn't get a run. I mean, ten minutes to go at home to Barnsley, losing one nil, swapping one right back for another, kind of maybe betrays how few options we've got and what Warburton thinks of the. Uh, the other options we've got, you know, the Jack Clark thing's strange, extended his loan again, but it didn't even, you know, again, losing 1-0 at home to Barnsley, you've got, you, you make five subs from a bench of nine. We didn't even name nine on the bench and Clark still didn't, you know, even get 10 minutes at the end. So he remains strange. I guess we'll find out more, what well, we've got three games next week and I guess you will find out when we see who he's picking in those because he rotated his team for three games in a week at the best of times and we're not in the best of times now. So more clues next week, but it does look a long eight games now straight away just after that one. And let's do Grant Hall because I don't think you guys got to cover it last week on the podcast. Um, big blow, obviously. I, I'm feeling a bit of a sense of rejection because I think this is the second year in a row that our club captain has voluntarily <laughs> has been offered a contract, but decided not to take it, left the club wanting to go elsewhere. Because I'm pretty sure this is very similar to what happened with Neda Manua last year. Um, how's everyone feeling about, what was everyone make of what's happened? It's a very bizarre and, and sort of unprecedented situation or times with, with, with Hull? Money. Obviously a money thing. Same with Anua. Um, the only bit I don't really get of it, we'd been talking for a few weeks after the Les Ferdinand interview that it was obviously on the cards that he's not staying and the debate was whether he would play the eight games or not. The weird bit of it for me is the timing. Like literally the day before the day before the first game. You know, Did they not know about mm. this you know, in advance of that? It just seemed to 
set the wrong kind of tone for the match and you know whether the team knew about it or not kind of changed the mood a little bit I just the timing seemed really odd to me. Do we know if he'd returned to training? Well I don't think he'd been playing in the friendly games so that probably tells you um so the team maybe did know but to announce it what was it 24 hours before the game that that was the bit that I didn't get. Yeah, I thought I thought it was bad timing, definitely. And like Clive said, if it'd been pretty clear to Les Warburton and who's at, you know, when we spoke to Les and Chris, what two and a bit weeks ago now, then it would have, you know, helped everyone in the team to just put it to bed. And if you know, if the negotiations were still ongoing, then you know, certainly Hall maybe should have still been part of the squad, potentially, if there was still a chance that he might sign because then he would play if he did. Mm. So it seemed like it was always inevitable, but um, they probably didn't handle it in the best way. And it's obviously disappointing. And I think we talked before about how we were surprised, really, from his point of view, why he would do that, given he hasn't got the best injury record. He's not a spring chicken. And, you know, who's to say he's going to get a better deal elsewhere? So... Onu, I think, was slightly different because, yeah, like Hall, he was one of the bigger earners at the time. But, you know, he was such a much bigger earner. And also, I think there was probably more bitterness between the two sides than there is with Hall. Uh, I hope, anyway. I mean, we might, in a couple couple of weeks, read an interview in which Hall says, yeah, I was treated terribly, like what happened to Nedham. But um, I think the club were probably being fairly fair to Hall and he potentially thinks he could earn better elsewhere. But, you know... We shall see. But it's a massive blow. I mean, yeah, like I've already said, I thought Barbe was pretty ropey because he was coming back from injury just as we went to lockdown, um, you know, in March. And we've got Angel Rangel on the right-hand side who probably wasn't expecting to, you know, play much longer in his career um, after this season. So that, that back four is just looking ropey and inexperienced. And, you know, the, the fact that we're forcing Barbe to well, because he's got a left foot to take free kicks, is just, it's just tedious. Someone explain to me what happens if one of Barbe or Masterson gets injured. What are we looking at? Cameron? Is that Jeff Cameron? Yeah. Sorry, I'm in <laughs> the face on the Zoom that won't come through on the audio. Okay. Um, the, um, the, the, the interesting thing would be is it, it's quite an experience back for... Um, uh, but also quite sluggish as well, as we've seen with their winger cutting us to pieces on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, I suppose if Matheson or Barbe get injured, are you going to bring in Cameron? But then the midfield worried me a little bit on Saturday as well. I don't think we... I mean, that, Clive, am I wrong in thinking that was a the keeper's debut on Saturday or he, he hasn't played many games and we didn't test him at all? That was a real worry to me. It was it was the Barnsley goalkeeper's debut. I mean, there's probably a conversation to have about Luke Amos as well. I don't know what... <laughs> so, yeah. I noticed... Sam's Twitter profile says he's an optimistic QPR fan, so maybe we should throw Luke Amos <laughs> over to him and you can give us the optimist's point of view because that was a strange uh, a strange old show from a, a player that I just can't work out at all. I can't really work out whether he's... I mean, he's been cursed since the start because I think on our season preview show, I tipped him to be player of the year. So he he's basically was dead on arrival, but um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been on. It's a really weird one, him. He... From at the beginning of the season, I rated him so highly because he he seemed to throw himself around a lot, and in those he scored a couple goals in preseason or whatever. But he always seemed to be everywhere. I, I, in those first few games, I thought he's going to be a really good player for us, and then he just decided he was just not really gonna 
you know, get involved as much. He's, um, I didn't notice he was on the pitch on Saturday. Um, normally we've got Jeff Cameron there who, even though he has his off days, he's a big presence. And I think, although Don Ball's also really good, having two CDMs who are quite young, it's quite difficult to come on. Hang on, CDM is... Get with it. Come on, David. Sorry. Central defence and midfielder. <laughs> football manager speak. Yeah, football manager. But I think, I, th- I think Luke Amos has just got a, like, you know, a classic case of loneitis when... You just don't care anymore. I mean, why would he care? He knows that in the long run, he you know he can leave this all behind, and he's got he hasn't got anything to play for. And I think he's just like you know given up caring and has no motivation or desire to really tap into the potential, which I think he definitely has, and we've seen brief flashes of. I'm not. I think. Sure. I think, I think sorry, go Clive. Now go on, Finn. No, I was going to say that's one thing this season that's disappointed me. We haven't we haven't got value for money over the loan market at all. It's really been a little bit disappointing. And the best loan signing we had went off to uh, Bristol City, so that was that was quite disappointing. So hopefully next season, it's crucial to get that market right to get those players right, and we just haven't done it this season. Well, I, I, tell, I wouldn't like to have seen our season without Wells and Hugo. Um No, I, I, I just can't. I can't. I'm not even sure, Flo, that I I agree that he's that he's got that sort of Tom Ahmed loan thing about him. I just, I can't work out. At Tottenham, they always said he was a really good player if only he would believe that he could be a good player and they kept sending him out on loan to try and, you know, build up his self-confidence and belief. I don't know if it's that. He's quite lightweight, isn't he? He just looks like a little boy sometimes. Like he, needs to get in the way. he needs to get in the weight room, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know what to say about him, really. He looked so busy and effective and confident and scoring goals. Those two goals he got Oxford in pre-season. And when we went down and looked at the pre-season training, he was absolutely caning it. But yeah, he's such an odd little player. I just can't... I mean, apart from knowing that he's obviously not going to make it at Tottenham, I can't really work him out. But we've all, we've we've also we've we've had these discussions as well. I know Clive about that academy upbringing and the physical realities of the championship and the football league. And someone like him and his stature, you know, they can get smashed about. And when we look at someone like Bright, who spent most of his development years playing for the first team in the football league, and we've mentioned this before, you know, they're completely two different players physically. One yeah, is willing. It's the only thing I don't like that Warburton's really said and done quite a lot this season. He's always talking about players with an academy education. And as I've said before, I'd take someone like Bright, who's been kicked around in League One for 200 games by the time he's 20, over these little boys that come out of Premier League academies any day of the week. And I think I think you see that, like you say, a little bit with Amos. He's a bit academy, isn't he? Yeah, and the, really, this this no. should have been his formative years, but it, it hasn't really worked out in, like that. Did have a bad injury. Did have a bad injury. I'm trying. I'm, tr- I'm trying to sort of not hammer him because it's like kicking a puppy. But I don't. Know what, <laughs> <laughs> what? By the way, Clive, I just want to point out now so that we put a marker in um, you having mentioned Tom Ahmed there and kind of loan signings, not caring, and all the rest of it. Of well course, aware. that means nailed on first goal Saturday. That's been nailed. <laughs> that's been nailed on for some time. I've been hammering that bloke for a year, so I, the the mortgage is going on him on Saturday. Watch it. Watch how interesting he, he, he suddenly. But you, 
But you know what? Is he? He's bet like he's had a shit loan spell at Charlton as well. So it's just ridiculous. Like, it'll be absolutely classic if he has a crap loan spell and then managed to score against us too. Because he's just repeated exactly what he did for us at Why Charlton. Would- it's not even like he's managed to, you know, change the narrative. It's been exactly the same. While you're talking, and uh, Finney, just to preempt you, I'm going to check if Tom Ahmed has actually scored yet for Charlton. I thought he played 70 minutes on Saturday. So I um, don't think he has, but I may be wrong. He some, <laughs> yeah. some, sometimes I think... Like, he was injured. Like, he was unsurprisingly injured for a bit of time as well, so I didn't feature. And they, they, they have a very empty squad right now, so he's only playing because there's no one else available. Lyle Taylor pissed off, didn't he? Do, yeah. do, you know what, do you know what, Clive? Sometimes I think you're slightly twisted. The way you were searching for these things, because that is nailed on now, that he'll come on for two minutes and it'll hit him in the arse and dander across the line. Tom I'm going to but I think Tom I do... has, made, has made six starts and nine substitute appearances for Charlton so far and is yet to score. Ah, uh, fuck, I'm going Charlton. And with that, I'm going back to the fridge because <laughs> we can see it coming a mile off now, right? I do think, though, on Saturday... We have a few things in our favour. You know, Charlton beat Hull at the weekend, but Hull are arguably as in much mess as Charlton in terms of what's going on with the ownership, what's going on at the club and with the squad. So they're equally as much of a kind of crazy house in a way. So the fact that they beat them, okay, don't read too much into it. Just like us, they've lost loads of players. We've already mentioned Lyle Taylor. There was a weird rumour that he was going to play and then Lee Bowyer said, no, that's not true. So he hasn't played and he won't be playing. Their top striker. They've got Tom Hammond. Um, Their centre-back who scored against Hull on the weekend, his wife's due to give birth like any minute. So he may miss the game, which would be great for us. Come on, uh, What's that? I said, come on, Mrs. Centre-back. Yeah, literally. Well, he didn't travel up. He didn't travel up the night before the game against Hull because he thought she was going to go into labour. And so he had to drive to Hull at like 7am on Saturday morning. Another player in the squad's um, partner has also given birth. So, and they've, on the 10th of June, they had this new owner come in. But it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a crazy situation there. So I'm just thinking all these, you know, bits of, Madness might play in our favour, basically. To be oh, fair, hold, Charlton, hold, hold, have hold Charlton have shit, horny players. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. But the thing is about, I mean, if you're going to play a, a basket case of a club, this is it now. Charlton are completely, they've jumped from the firing pad into the fire with the ownership deal they've got. It's its horrendous. It's, the managers know if he's there going. The team that know if they're there going, they've got no idea what's going on. And we all know now what's going to happen on Saturday, don't we, Clive? Thanks to Clive. The I'm feeling more. Doom. I'm actually feeling more hopeful about this than Barnsley. I think actually. Oh, Sammy you're so. I'm the optimist. It is. What are we going to do? Three 0 <laughs> Go to the youngster. Go to the youngster. Well, one thing we haven't talked about is is the actual experience of watching it on Saturday, which was a first for everyone. How? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sam. How? How? How did you find this new? whatever it is this kind of yeah not being there so weird like I don't like watching QPR at home anyway without being there um on tv 
and we don't have very good luck in front of cameras anyway. So I wasn't exactly expecting much, but it's, I mean, it's just so weird. I've been watching all the Premier League games with the fake crowd noise because without it, it just seems like, I, I don't know, it just, I find it so weird to watch. But um, I don't know. I feel like we're a team who benefit from having our fans really close to the stand and that second half push we always have. And if we go one behind, we tend to, you know, um, get, 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 um, like, raise our spirits or whatever but I don't know it's it's really weird and I can't imagine it's easy for the players either I'm not sure whether they're playing the crowd noise in the stadium for the players I think they are aren't they because in Premier League games they don't they add on FIFA noises right I think, I think in in championship they play it in the in the ground right yeah, well, that must be so. That must be so bizarre to literally have, and it must be delayed after anything as well. So, um, if we score, generic, isn't it? It's like because they don't raise the the volume. They can't be quick enough to sort of raise the volume when you're like bearing down on goals. So it's sort of a, like a general hum that they then turn up when you score. I think. Yeah. Um, I think it must be so hard. I think it must be hard for the players. I mean, although they're professional athletes. I guess a big part of their job is done in front of people. So when you take such a big element out of it, it must be quite a shock to them to have to try and perform as well. But Anyone enjoy it? Did anyone enjoy the experience? Not really. I was just really pissed off. <laughs> we, we, we should, my, I don't know. My stream, after all the worries and things we had last week, worked absolutely perfectly. Like, yeah, I logged, logged on at two o'clock and it was there. Commentary was great. You know, that was faultless, but... I'm like Sam. If if I'm not there, it's just it's rubbish. I've never been. If I wanted to sit on the sofa and you know watch Liverpool every week, I'd do that. But it was not- it was the first time in a while that I'd watched not working, so I did feel a bit more kind of freer to kind of like wave my arms about slash swear at the TV, whereas normally I'd have to kind of be slightly neutral-ish in the gantry. So that was quite nice, but obviously it wasn't very fun because I was basically just swearing for most of the 90 minutes. I thought it was shade. I mean, the whole, the, the whole concept of, it looks like you're in a different ground, and, and I, I just kept looking at my seat thinking, I'd be over there with my head in my hands right now rather than just watching it like this, and, the, you know, the noise is blah, blah, all that sort of thing. And it just, it looks like a different ground from the Ellsley, doesn't it? I mean, you know, I've never really watched us on TV unless it's on Sky, and, you know, it's, it's an away game, so it's weird seeing that. And it, it just looked like it's not... Our, our biggest factor is our fans, without a shadow of a doubt. We desperately need them. Whether it would have made any difference or not, sadly, because Clive had already put the scud on us, I don't know. But um, it, it's, it must be really weird, though. I mean, it's got to be... It was a nice touch with the flags and stuff and everything else, but, you know, the flags aren't going to boo them when they take the corner. I liked what Everton did, love. Anyone's seen the Everton match, every time the referee did something wrong, they, they, they played booze. Which I quite like. They should definitely have piped some booze in at half time just to get that real authentic Loftus Road, you know, losing 1 0 at home to Barnsley. Boo them off. <laughs> so. Well, I'm disappointed, Clive, they didn't have a cardboard cutout of you when Samuel was um, fouled and they scored to fly up and abuse a referee. I'm, I'm quite disappointed in the club. For I, that. Didn't, I didn't think it was a foul. The worst it wasn't. Was, it wasn't. I it thought wasn't. Manning was quite lucky in the first half, deliberately chopping someone and didn't get a booking. But then right at the end of the game, in stoppage time, not that it mattered by them, but Chaplin put a tackle in on Manning, which was a yellow and a half, I think. It was But you know what really mm. really annoyed me is that it was a bad challenge, yeah. But Manning wasted about a minute and a half of stoppage time 
trying to start a fight with this guy, maybe mm-hmm. trying to get him sent off. But actually, in reality, we were pushing for an equaliser then and we kind of had a bit of momentum. We kind of had the upper hand and he just wasted the majority of stoppage time he trying did. to get in a fight. And that did, mm. that annoyed me. Was a he, did. Point. he did, but if we were still there now, Flo, we wouldn't have scored in that game. <laughs> yeah, and we wouldn't, but come on, know, I'm watching at home, you... the illusion. Completely right. <laughs> I don't really know where football goes from here because... I see why we're limping like the last eight, nine games of the season watching it through your screens, but they, they can't start the next season after this and expect to go through any significant part of the season behind closed doors. You know? No, 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 no. I thought that anyway, but now after seeing it for two weeks, absolutely not. This, this eight, nine games is a necessity to finish the season get it over with, shut it down, and then let's talk about next scene. But please, God, don't bring it back like this. It's, it's torture. Don't think that, I, think, I think they will explore it, though, because in Denmark, they're already having socially distanced crowds, where obviously, I don't know how, I haven't looked into it in Denmark in terms of how they decide who gets to come in, because obviously you've got to leave a gap between everyone, so you can't fill to capacity, although we haven't sold out in a while, so not a massive issue for us. But people obviously, been, it limits your capacity. But I think they've got been, to explore that sort of thing. People have been social distancing from me and Finney in the South Africa road seats for years, so we're just going to go back and be fine. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> the family like stand where Chris Charles sits, about half empty anyway, so you can have about <laughs> six seats each. It's going to be weird. I mean, the social distancing, I think, was it Celtic and Rangers? was like 5,000 or 50,000 seats. So I don't know how they do it at Rangers or... I wouldn't like, because you know what's going to happen to Clive, if we get pulled out of a hat and we get to the game, we're going to say, oh, the usual faces are there. Do you know what I mean? So it's going to be... If my mates can't go, I don't want to go. I don't want to be there if, like, the 10 or 11 people that I go with, if some of us get drawn out of a hat and some of us don't, I don't want to go to a game like that while they're watching it at home. I mean, like I said, it's about the people, isn't it? It's not about watching 90 minutes of shit championship football. It's about who you go with and the experience and all of that. I just, I, I, don't, get like, I don't know how they're going to do it. And I don't, I don't want to stray into that territory that Warburton told us off about, about you can't keep saying you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that because it's unprecedented situation. But don't bring it back. Don't bring it back behind closed doors like this. It's, it's like watching your girlfriend cheat on you. Like, it's like just sitting at home. Like, it's... I, it depressed me on Saturday before the result, to be honest. Clive, have you got cameras all over your house? Have I? Have you got cameras all over your house? Because you just said, it's like, why would you watch that? Anyway. Well, exactly. But again, didn't you not feel like watching QPR play without us? It's like, it's like, you know, watching someone do the dirty on you. I just, it didn't feel right. You know, you... No, it was very weird. It was you very should at weird. least be there to watch. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, disgusting. Right. David, wrap it up, oh, wrap it up. I'm going to wrap up, but Flo, I'm, you've changed your position now, but have you been in bed under your duvet through the duration? Of the- I'm not under my duvet. These are, these are trousers. All oh, right. Okay. What is this podcast it's, going? I have to, look, I'm limited, I'm limited with space in my flat, so sometimes I have to do the podcast from my own bed. So, you know, some of us aren't, don't have that luxury. In case you're wondering, I've got shorts on and I've got very white legs. We weren't. Right, okay. We weren't at all, just to clarify. Out of interest, before we, before we wrap up, do we think Jiggle could get better? 
in, 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 in the lockdown? Will he, and is he worth as an option next season as a loan? Because he's not going to be playing for West Ham, is he? Sam and me are oh, going to sorry, stick Sam and, me, Sam and I are going to stick up for Hugel here. I okay, can't hear what you said. I don't I mind it. I don't mind Hugel. He was he was shocking on Saturday. Let's be honest. Oh, and he had that weird one at the end where he went through on the goalkeeper and then just rolled it back to him, which I didn't quite understand. But mm. I, I forgave him it all for his hair on Saturday, and I think it. All, oh, so so it's bad that going hair. To, it's going through a My Chemical Romance phase, which which I have a lot of respect for. I like you know I think you know it's a good look, and he'll come. Get, like I said last week, technically dreadful footballer, but. Game boy scored a lot of goals this year. You know, some of them by accident, and should have had a lot more if he didn't lean back on his shot so much. But I don't mind Hugel as much as you guys seem to. Sam, no, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just Sam asking. Hugel. I bet Sam likes. If, if if he, I think he's good with someone else. I think with Naki, he was really good. I think you get someone who can do all the Charlie Austin stuff and is clinical. Then he's worth having around to just run around and knock people over. But I mean, he's a bit of a battering ram. He, I think that's what he's good for, and he does a bit. He does get those stupid goals, but I think it's good to have him if we can. But it's not worth splashing out. I don't think. I think Sam's right. I think his performance has gone down since uh, Wells went. Whether that's because he thrives Wells off because Wells is good. Wells is good, <laughs> or he needs someone else, or it's just the lack of competition. Lack of competition for footballers is not good. You're about to see that with our defence. Masterson Absolutely, Brennan. And Brennan are going to be first picks every week, and there's no need for them to overperform because they'll still be there. They'll still be in the team the following week, probably. I guess notwithstanding um, Cameron's availability, feel a little bit like that with uh, Hugill as well. Um, quite like him, he misses a lot. He misses a lot of chances, and he does. He he he. His conversion rate, if he was playing rugby, would be quite high as well because they all seem to go in the same place straight over the top um, do, you want the, do you want the stat on his misses go on go on now it comes the stat is called big chances missed and I don't like stats like this because who's to say what is a big chance I mean obviously that one he missed from half a yard against Wigan with no goalkeeper that he somehow got over the bar we can all agree is a big chance <laughs> but it's like a it's like a subjective stat I mean who comes up with big chances missed but anyway four big chances missed Jordan Hugel is fourth in the championship uh, with 14 big chances missed. Uh, same as Martin Waghorn. Do you want to have a go at the top three? I mean, the top one is so far in ahead top one and also the most obvious. Uh, Does he play for Leeds? He might do, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bam Bam Bamford has 27 big chances missed, apparently. Several of them against Cardiff. I watched Leeds and Cardiff on Sunday. And at one stage, Bamford cleared a shot that was going in off the line and passed it back to the goalkeeper from an offside position. I'm that starting, was nice of him. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder whether Patrick Bamford is actually a bit of a legend and hates Leeds <laughs> as much as everybody else and he's trying to deliberately... It does seem that way because he's so bad. He's, he's so, so hilariously bad. bad. Like He just makes you laugh out loud at how bad he is. It's so funny. I love watching it. It just gives I'm me taking so much joy. I'm taking the penalty. I'm, ooh, I don't think you should, Patrick. You're not even, I'm taking the penalty. Oh, it's safe. Well, what, what are you going to do? Um, number two on that list. Lewis Graben at Forest with 17 is number two. And actually, Ollie Watkins at Brentford is third with 15. So I'm yeah, surprised at that, Ollie Watkins. Yeah, was, yeah. Um, my, my final question to ask you before we go is, do you think Sharon Warnock even believes <laughs> more 
when he says, I've retired now? Do you think stolen, he You've stolen my R's end. You've stolen my R's end, Dave. I mean, I couldn't believe that. And also, it was the least surprising thing I've ever heard when I got up the, got up the other morning and found that Neil Warnock's not only taken another job, but he literally couldn't have gone any further from Cornwall. I'm not, I'm not sure Neil Warnock likes Cornwall as much as he makes out. I mean, short of taking over at Carlisle, I just, I, I can't, I can't believe it. And I can believe it. It's so, it's so funny. Like, Apparently the first time he said, this is my last job was in 2005. Yeah, Crystal Palace. And he's had yeah. six, six since then. Seven, if you count the caretaker little spell with us. He just, he's going to Tommy Cooper it, isn't he? He just, he can't, he can't leave it alone. And, you know, he was great on this podcast and he was a fantastic manager for us. So just, you know, you can't knock him. And it's all meant in jest, all the teasing and whatever. But, I you know, he'll, he'll be taking jobs. I reckon he's got another five or six jobs in him, whatever he says. It's like share every year a farewell tour. <laughs> um, okay, anyone else? Any more for any more? Uh, if anyone hasn't seen already the really nice kind of vintage video that Dom Trimboli put together um, with a Super 8 camera, um, like from the last couple of months before lockdown, really, really nice video, really amazing footage. It does make you want to really go to Loftus Road. So don't watch it if you're longing after the Saturday match day because it might just make you kind of a bit sad. But yeah, really nice little video they've put together. That's it. <laughs> very good. Um, Finney, I'm very surprised you're not jumping in. Thank well, you. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, well, yeah, I'd like to thank the PA system at Loftus Road on Saturday. They did a fantastic job. And um, yeah, no, you're all right. Fine. And, and Sam, thank you for coming on. I'm very pleased that Clive, just in his, his last sort of monologue there, talked about someone Tommy Coopering it. <laughs> such an old reference that I'm not even sure I know what that is. I definitely don't know it. I do. Tommy, Tommy Cooper carried on so long that he ended up dying on stage. Well, yeah, but did, did, he, did it happen just like that? Well played, yeah. Uh, Those lessons dear. are still paying for themselves, David, yeah. Yeah, yeah but well done, David. You'd never think but he went to comedy school. Somebody else is dying on stage right now. <laughs> <laughs> Always, Sam. What's the next piece that you're going to write about? What What are you putting, What can we read about on the site? Um, we've got a lot of miserable posts about miserable things to do with with Barnsley. A lot of our writers. I told them they could have creative freedom, which was probably a mistake to give to uh, sixteen to twenty five year olds. Um, but if you want to read some honest to say the least pieces then the size got that i can assure you well we're good luck with that yeah create creative license to 16 to 24 year olds do um uh, on a on a serious point um i mentioned it a couple of weeks ago about jerry the landlord at the crown they're doing a drive pass of the crown on tuesday at 12 30 i think and a few of us are going down there to pay respect so um Maybe see a few of you down there, but yeah, it's twelve thirty, and the funerals at like two thirty in the afternoon. So just thought I'd flag that up after bringing it up the other week. Yeah, good show, Clive. Cool. Thank you for that. All right, everyone. Um, hopefully, we'll have better news to talk predictions, about. Predictions, predictions, David. Oh, yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything, but who can call anything? We'll be better. I'll go 1-1. One, one. Ahmed's definitely scoring because of Clive. It's Clive's fault. So, 1-1, one, one, Eze and Hemed. I'm saying fickle. Clive, your prediction. Um, I think we'll win 2-1. Hemed will score. Um, but, yeah, why not? What's, what's you know... Shut up, Cl- Leave it there, Clive. Leave it there, Clive. Leave it there. I'm going in an anti-clockwise fashion according to my Zoom panel here. So Sam is next. Um, I would have said one all as well. I think we'll do one. It'll be one goal better each week. So from one nil last week, we'll probably be one all, and maybe scrap a two-one next week. But I can't see it being anything more than that, to be honest. He's the optimistic one. It says on his Twitter, for optimistic. <laughs> Been talking to you for too long, Clive. Yeah, 40 minutes with us, he's ready to shoot himself. Uh, Paul? Um, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah, it's going to be one of them games, isn't it? And how does that manifest <laughs> prediction form? Because I don't friggin' know anymore. I, I want to say we're going to win 2 0, but we're like, Hemig will probably score, and whoever hasn't scored in 18 years, who's been drafted in to make up the numbers they're scored, will come off the bench and probably score another one. Um, hopefully, we'll win 3 2 with a, as a masterclass. But, yeah. Well, I mean, you can see even op- optimistic in QPR fan standards is a one all draw. But last week I said 5 4 because I just thought it was going to be a bit of a mad one. This week I'm going to make it a bit more kind of normal and boring, and I'm going to say 3 1 to Rangers. Oh. Good place to end. <laughs> um, thank you, Sam. Um, Come on again and cheer us up again, why don't you? <laughs> uh, this has been Open All Ours. Uh, see you all next week. QPR, QPR,